Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Our Around the Horn segment with Kevin Bohannon this Friday. So we'll go to our baseball insider, that is Kevin Bohannon, and realizing that spring break is uh, interrupting the normal flow of what we may think of conference play and high school baseball. In fact, I've noticed, Kevin, several teams, uh, Harbor, I believe, one of those teams, as they're lounging on the beach, I think Alma is playing uh, Gulf Shores. I believe that's where you'll find the Alma Airedales. But um, we're going to talk a little SEC and a little bit of Arkansas baseball. And uh, Arkansas fresh off of a three-game sweep of the uh, Kentucky Wildcats. And the first thing I think of, Kevin, is complete. That was a complete victory in each and every game by Arkansas. Don't want to say total domination, three to one. I'm not sure it's a dominating victory, but it's still a victory. But uh, complete baseball offense defense and certainly pitching uh, for this Arkansas Razorback baseball team that's right Randy and we talked about it Friday on the show the keys to the series of them for them to win the series or possibly sweep could be starting pitching uh, every pit, every starting pitcher Connor Nolan Hagan Smith Jackson Wiggins they all went at least six innings that during the 13 game homestand uh, all three pitchers had a pair of those, so the starting pitching was there. Zeb Vermillion has still not allowed a hit nor a run in nine innings of relief. You got Evan Taylor, who's come out of the bullpen as a weapon from the left side, and freshman Brady Tigert has really kind of settled into a closer role with a fastball that's up to 95, and then he has a, a really loopy curveball that it's got really good spin on it, though, but it's got so much break at 75 so that 20 mile per hour variation is tough whether you're a righty or lefty so the pitching has really short been short up earlier than what i could expect or pretty much just about anybody else expected but the biggest thing is Randy, this team can hit we've really talked about that that's been the point of emphasis on this show this segment around the state around the region around the nation uh kendall rogers from d1baseball.com said Early in the season, after the opening loss uh, and during the opening weekend, don't worry about it. They'll get it figured out. Well, they figured it out a little bit. Uh, outscoring Kentucky 18-6. to Braden Webb had a grand slam this past week against Grambling. He had another two home runs against Kentucky. So you're getting other people step up. Robert Moore had a great series. He had kind of had a, a downtrend in his batting average. But look at Dave Van Horn being the importer like Eric Musselman, <laughs> Michael Turner, Chris Lanzilli, both leading the team, the team with 24 hits apiece. Uh, you can't ask for anything better out of those two. They've been leaders uh, in the middle of the lineup. And then Caden Wallace at the top. You know, yeah, he struggled a little bit this past weekend, but he's a tone setter. And the, the thing I loved about, that, about him this weekend was when Peyton Stovall hit that home run his first home run SEC play, Caden Wallace had a Carlton Fisk moment because he was waving it out of the stadium, and it sure went out. It, I think it was measured at 412 feet, about 114 miles per hour off the bat. So 
They're all clicking, Randy. Like you said, complete. It was businesslike. They went out there, handled their business, got a sweep, and now they go on the road for their first SEC Road Series. Now, Kevin, for the benefit of Mr. Doom and Gloom, uh, who's on with us tonight, would you rep- would you start with Arkansas can hit and repeat all that over again? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Okay. 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 What was it after game six or something? Oh, this team can't hit. Gee, man, yeah, they were hitting two fourteen at the geez. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> six yeah, they were leaving a lot yeah. of on base play. They, yeah. You know, they left me. I know. No, I, 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 I mean, I'm conceding that. I mean, they, they are hitting on all cylinders. Really? I, I wow. think the, the. Yeah, you mean repeat that? I think they're hitting <laughs> all cylinders right now. I think what? It's good you said you're conceding. I guess nice. Um. What Kevin is making this lineup as maybe as feared as expected, though, is the bottom of the batting order. Uh, now, Jalen Battles, bless his heart, he goes anywhere from six to eight. Uh, but you've got Gregory, who's starting to hit. But more importantly, you've got Braden Webb. And you, you listen to Dave, and Dave is not – the kind of guy that's going to blow any smoke up anybody's skirt. But when he says, we sit there and watch Webb in batting practice, and he's putting them on top of the new indoor facility in right field, you're thinking, okay, Dave, right, okay? Was there a 200-mile-an-hour wind blowing out the right <laughs> Cross field? Wind, yeah. But, no, I mean, this, this kid, when he got that grand slam against Grambling, it's like you could see uh, the handcuffs – the chains, and, and maybe that that gorilla that was on his back, all of a sudden now he's going up to the plate. He hit one the other day that it looked like he actually squatted. He bent at his knees and went down and lined it out of left field. I mean, that's when you know a hitter is on his game, is when he can make that adjustment at the plate but then just hammer the fool out of the ball. Yeah, Coach Thompson calls it being stacked, meaning your, your, your base, your legs are connected with the ground and you're generating the force and the power from your legs up through your swing and you're able to hit a ball like that. Uh, think of Adrian Beltre, uh, Major League Baseball player, played third stacked? base. Stacked? Did you say stack like stacked, S-T-A-C-K-E-D? yeah. S-T-A-C-K-E-D. Okay. You're stacked. Okay, you're stacked. Yep. So you're being you're connected with the ground. Your force is generated from the ground up, and you're able to drive the baseball with authority and with power using your legs. Caden Wallace does a great job of it, but Adrian Beltre was a great example because he could hit him out off of his knee. Vladimir Guerrero, another guy, he could hit off the ground. I've seen him hit a couple of home runs in his career that one hopped, and he was he was so connected, so stacked that he had that force and power could drive it. Yeah, Braden Webb had a 442-foot home run. Uh, just unbelievable power. And the, the, you talk about the bottom of the lineup, you got Jalen Battles has three home runs. Webb now has three home runs. Brady Slavens needs to figure it out. I, I, every time I see him bat, and that uh, everybody knows the scouting report on him right now. They're going to hammer away, hammer away, hammer away. And every time he tries to pull the ball, I think uh, – Coach Van Horn loses uh, another one of his nine lives over there, uh, but he's got to figure it out. That's the one. That's the one spot. If I could pick, being nitpick, if he can figure it out, uh, this offense would be the best in the nation. 
He is squeezing the blood yeah, out bat, of yeah. the bat. Mm-hmm. If I could, if I could offer him only one piece of advice, relax your hands, if nothing else. Yeah, look I mean, at Michael I, Turner. Michael Turner almost looks like it's going to fall out of his hands. It, it, they're they're so loose. Yeah, I mean he is squeezing the blood out of that bat, and that's got to slow his hands down. Um, let's talk with uh, Gentle Ben. Ben, good afternoon. Yes, sir. Man, I'm enjoying what I've been hearing since six. I mean, that's, that's great stuff. Great stuff. Enjoyable to listen to. Uh, just want to mention, y'all talked a, a while back about the, the great team of UNLV. Wasn't it in the 80s? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, early sir. 90s. Okay. Yeah, early 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. Early 90s. Okay. All right. I, I got it. I got it. Well, uh, I was in Desert Storm the first time we played UNLV I mean, at Fort Hood, and that was really one. I mean, we lost, but it was still great. You know, I think it was on a Sunday morning. About 11 o'clock, whatever the game was. But anyway, yeah. what I want to remember about that UNLV year that they won the national championship in that particular uh, NCAA tournament, they stomped everybody they played in the tournament, including Duke, in the championship game, just myrtleized them. You know, it wasn't even a basketball game. But I wanted to see if y'all remember who UNLV without looking up on the computer. Do y'all can y'all do y'all remember the team that UNLV beat their first game of that NCAA tournament? The well, number one versus 16 seed. Do you remember who that team was? Oh boy, and you're you're not you're not talking about because '91 they didn't win. Uh, no, the one they did win. The one '90 they won. '90 '91. Okay, '91. Yeah. Not about '90. I'm talking about '90. Yeah, the '91 team should have won, but didn't. Yeah. So, right. Right. Absolutely. So you're asking, you're asking who they beat in the first round? Of the, yes, sir. Well, '90. No, Texas Southern. It was just a local. <laughs> it was just a local deal. Uh, it was the UALR Trojans with Mike oh, Newell, right? and uh, no they did. They won. I'm sorry, what? No kidding. I wouldn't know. Yeah, they that. they won the TAC. They won the TAC conference. They were in that Transatlantic American Conference. I believe was what it stood for. But they were in the old TAC conference. And old Mike Newell, whatever kind of season we had, he'd have them ready by tournament time. And I think you only had to win three games. Fourth and most of them might have been just three games in the TAC conference. To, win the championship of the, uh, you know, uh, tag tournament. And then he got pitted up against uh, UNLV, you know. But uh, anyway, I just remember how they stomped everybody. And I got to be honest with you, I was really rooting for UNLV to stomp Deuce and all that kind of stuff. And anyway, when I got thinking today, too, about uh, listening to your show, I was thinking about how uh, kind of philosophical I get or heart feeling that uh, some fans have rooted for their team as many years as we have paid that donation fee and then you know went to the games and all like that like Razorback fans have you know do and but a lot of them have never had uh, their team has never had as much success as the Razorbacks have and I think we're really blessed to be Razorback fans like there's some teams like that you know that fans support their team and they don't even they don't, they never even had a year where their baseball team their basketball team and their football team all were real good, you know, like ours have been, you know, and in the same year. So, anyway, that's just kind of what I had on my mind. And uh, just that uh, I think we can uh, beat Gonzaga, and I think, you know, we can have the right plan and all like that. But, uh, man, it's, it's really going to be a tough uphill battle, but I think we can do it. Okay, all right, somebody, Yeah, somebody just sent us uh, the – No, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, I was going to say General Ben is right. Uh, it was Little Rock. They they one hundred two to seventy two. Okay. Yeah, in, in nineteen ninety, and the funny thing is, 
they beat Duke 103 to 73 that year. So it, yeah, Little Rock could have yeah. been in the finals. <laughs> and that's something. Then Duke beat them in '91. Uh, yeah, so Duke good. beat them in '91. Yeah, mm-hmm. not bad, not bad at all. Uh, pitching wise, back real quick, Kevin, back to the Arkansas yeah. staff. Uh, I see no reason, and I and I gather Matt Hobbs doesn't either, but it looks like. What you want is having established starters for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they have not wavered. Jackson Wiggins on on Sunday, uh, Hagen Smith on Saturday, Connor Nolan on Friday, and that rotation looks solid, barring any knock on wood, any kind of injuries. That's exactly right, and their numbers are fairly identical when you look at it. They all have an ERA between 307 and 338. Uh, Nolan's 3-1, Smith 4-1, Wiggins 3-0. Their, their opponent's batting average is all below 250. Wiggins leading the way at 161. Uh, they're not giving up a whole lot. That's the big thing. They're, Jackson Wiggins last year, if he got in trouble, it's like the wheels just fell off. Well, this year, the confidence is there. He's got the confidence in his stuff that – if he gets a couple of runners on base, he knows he can make that pitch to get him out of the inning. And you saw it repeatedly. I just I, every time I see him up there, and I just keep thinking, and he's gonna go. He's gonna get this guy out, and he has proven it time and time again. That was the thing, Coach Van Horn and Coach Hobbs kept preaching before and back in the fall and preseason that Wiggins has something to prove. We hope he goes out there and does it. Up to this point, I think he's proven it. And Hagen Smith, I'm sorry, he's not a freshman. Uh, a, a guy no. that goes out there, he is not a freshman. It, and the fact that he's got two more years at the University of Arkansas, as as fans and as media, we need to sit back and enjoy that because it's going to be good. But Connor Nolan, being the staff ace that we that everybody thought he could be, and how he changed his body, how he transformed uh, just what he does on the mound in his routine, we knew the confidence was there. Uh, back from when he was a freshman, he got to start. He was the Sunday starter on the College World Series team. But he went, had injury, uh, got hit a lot last year. I honestly think he came back too early last season, and he just didn't have the stuff. And he went in, dedicated himself every day to get better, and it's shown so far. And it's a lot of fun to watch him pitch. Kevin, I didn't, I didn't not that I didn't believe that Arkansas would be able to have someone competent behind the plate. I would have never dreamed Michael Turner would turn out to be the kind of player that he is. He played for Kent State, and here he is at Arkansas. And, I mean, this kid is is amazing. I mean, I didn't think anyone could really truly replace Casey Opitz. But I think Michael Turner stepped in there and – you could argue he's a much better hitter than Casey is. Now, maybe still the slight edge would go to Casey defensively, but, boy, what an addition Michael Turner has been uh, behind the plate for Arkansas. I agree 1,000%, and I say 1,000% because that's his fielding percentage right now. Uh, uh, Arkansas is ranked fifth in the nation with a 987 fielding percent. And Michael Turner has not made an error yet. Well, of course, knock on wood, a little superstition. But that, that's with 167 putouts, whether it be strikeouts or 
somebody throwing the ball to home and with a force play. So, like like you said, yeah, and also he's that been means a, throwing to second base, not ever throwing it into center field. That's right. Have a, yeah. yeah, he's got 18 assists on the year, which is yeah. phenomenal. That's, that's pretty darn good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that and if you look, if you go back and look at their uh, stolen base that uh, completed an attempt from a couple weeks ago, teams were 20 out of 25 or 22 out of 25. Now they're 24 out of 36, meaning I believe that between Turner and Leach, they've thrown out nine of the last 11 attempted base runners trying to steal either second or third. So uh, kudos to those guys. It's a lot of fun to watch him hit. That's all he does is hit. And when he got up to 419, he got up to 419. He's down to 369 right now. But he's going to stay around that right there. I, I would be very surprised if he dips below 350 by the end of the season. Very good stick and uh, seems to be very, very uh, intelligent uh, at the plate. Uh, what is the health? Um, he was the He's the outfielder transferred in from Oklahoma. Uh, Jace Orphan. Boring. Yeah. Orphan, Jace, yeah. yeah. How's Orphan. he doing? Uh, he's still got at least one more week. He's not going to play at Missouri this coming up weekend. I think they're going to start letting he, – he hadn't been able to swing the bat – they're going to start getting him back after they get back from Columbia and see how he goes and take it day by day. At this point, you know, I know he wants to be out there. He was just getting hot when he got injured. Uh, but they can take their time and make sure he's 100% because they're going to need him down the stretch. Uh, with, the, with the number of games they have coming up by the end of the year, they're going to need that fourth outfielder. And right now, um, you know, with, with Braden Webb, Zach Gregory, and then Lanzilli, I think Slavens is going to stay at the DH row. They're going to need Jace by the, the stretch run here. Right field is kind of scary right now defensively. I realize um, yeah. they haven't had any major, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any major like mistakes out there yet. But. <laughs> I, I like Lanzilli out there. Uh, I think whatever they figure out that, you know, he's got the better arm between him and Zach Gregory. So put Lanzilli in right. Uh, Gregory's going to give it everything he's got all the time, and he has the, the best motor on the team. So uh, right now with going from left to right, Gregory, Webb, and Lanzilli, I think that's the best that we're going to get right now. And then when, when Jace gets back, I think he, he slides in there, uh, maybe in a platoon role. Uh, just it just depends. If he hits, he's going to be in the lineup. So I, I would if I was if I were Brady Slavens, I would figure it out really quick. If you're a kid like Nick Griffin, how do you how do you carve yourself out a role? Because now you're basically into a couple of non-conference games a week. It, it seems like they've settled in on uh, how they want to pitch, at least starting wise. Uh, but if you're a kid like Nick Griffin, what do you have to do? Do you have to throw, you know, back-to-back-to-back to back to back, uh, amazing bullpens? Or what? How, how, how does a kid like Nick Griffin break into uh, uh, to get some innings on this team? Yeah, and, and this is easier said than done, but he needs to throw strikes. Uh, he's got seven walks and three or two and two-thirds innings right now. So it's all about throwing strikes and being confident and comfortable on the mound he's coming off tommy john surgery it's the most stress you can put on your elbow with the surgery and everything he's come back he looks he looks good he looks good physically he looks fine 
He's just got to figure it out. Uh, and that, that's where you, you go back to the fundamentals, the foundation. Get in the lab with Coach Hobbs and figure out what's going on. If he can stack some bullpens on top of each other, like you just mentioned, and he can get in a game and produce, that's when you start seeing it at a different level and they may can rely on him in SEC. It's the same thing Peyton Paulette did last year. Peyton went in the Alabama game, the first conference game, and, and Alabama blew him out of the water 16-1. to 1. Peyton went back to the bullpen. He figured some things out, got it got right, and by the end of the year, that's who they could go to. He was the jack-of-all-trades. They could start him, bring him in. They could have even closed with him if you know, they didn't have the, the great Kevin Cox. So if he can just figure it out, I think he, he'll have a place at some point. All right, buddy. Good stuff. We'll talk with you on Friday as we Alrighty. will go around the horn uh, with Kevin Bohannon. All right, Rick Schaefer. I'm Randy Rainwater. Drive Time Sports will continue in just one moment. <laughs> 